do from time to time, I will repurpose comics that have already run on SheldonComics.com over on the yeah. Instagram. They're sliced up now. Uh, Beth slices them up and preps them, puts them onto later that app that lets you preload things for yeah. Instagram. And uh, so uh, on on Memorial Day weekend, I just grabbed a comic that she had slotted up. Uh, there's about 20 in the queue. And I, and I put it up on Instagram, right? And it happened to be a joke about weight loss, working out. And the punchline, uh, for lack of a better phrase, was, was uh, Arthur basically saying to Gramp, all right, bring it down a notch, Kathy, <laughs> right? And, and uh, referencing Kathy Geiswhite strip, Kathy, right? I put it up on Instagram. I go about my Memorial Day. I check in on it later on in the day. And lo and behold, who has responded to it but Kathy Geiswhite wow. herself? And I was like, oh, hey, Kathy, that's fantastic. And so she loved it, and she wanted to. She wants to swap art. So I'm gonna go look in my archive, see if I still have oh. that one, and then I'll swap her for a Kathy original, which is delightful yeah. to me. That makes me so happy. You know me as a as a lover yes. of original art. Do you have a Kathy yet? I have a sketch from that Kathy did for me while we were filming strip. She did a sketch on film, like because we wanted to yeah. capture her drawing yeah. Kathy, right? You know. And so at the end of it, she's like, "Oh, hey, do you want it?" And I was like, "Heck yeah, yeah I want it." And so I have that up in my studio in one of the smaller frames. You know the ones that hang between yep. my windows? I don't yep. know if you remember that. There's like there's a Jeff Smith there, and anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so uh, so I but I don't have a Kathy original, and I would yes, love to have a Kathy original. That would be great. Uh, so I'm a I'm pleased as punch by the fact that Kathy rolled with it. That she found it delightful that Kathy was yes. being referenced. Where in, in, in essence, it was a little bit taking the mickey, right. you know, in terms of, 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 of Kathy as a comic strip. But she loved it. She loved the reference. She rolled with it. And also, it gives me a chance right now to say publicly that Kathy Geiswhat is one of the, the classiest and funniest people in comics. And I legitimately think yeah. she is awesome. I, I've said this before on the show, but she is a fantastic human being. And without a doubt, one of the more important people in comics history in terms of the role she played and and what she did for her time in terms of breaking barriers and, and you know, oh, yeah. glass ceilings and so on and so forth. Uh, and not only that, uh, but she delivered the goods. I mean, when you look oh my at God, the, yeah. the, especially the early Kathy strips, uh, she was just a really, really good writer. And also, as a businesswoman, yes. the savvy to go to Sparky and to go to Mort Walker and say, like, how do I license this? How do I, how do I, how do I bring Kathy to the next level, right? right? And Sparky took her through it. And I don't know if you remember, Brad, growing up in the 70s and 80s, there was a huge licensing line at Hallmark of Kathy stuff. Yes. And the calendars, the stuffed dolls, the, a lot of mugs. There always seemed to be a lot, a lot of, of Kathy mugs, mugs at yeah. offices, you know? Uh, and she did gangbusters in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s with uh, Kathy. Mm-hmm. And then also a little unremarked uh, thing is that Kathy herself as a person was an amazing spokesperson for comics. Yeah. Appearing multiple times on Johnny Carson. Right. And on, I think she did a couple other, I mean, a lot of morning talk shows, obviously. But, but just getting on Johnny Carson when he was at the height. Right. And being able to hold her own and go toe to toe, like she was funny and charming and delightful. Yeah, and uh, like that raised the game for for comics and the, and the the overall uh, visibility for comic strips mm-hmm. in the nation a lot at a time when comic strips were kind of diminishing in the public sphere. You know, yeah, in the in the seventies, eighties, nineties, she was out there publicly raising it up on on Johnny Carson. Yeah, you know? yeah, she's fantastic, and and we you you can find very few spokespeople as good at what they did as as uh, as she is so i can totally get why you're excited about getting uh getting this uh kind of response and the possibility of getting original art from such a such a great creator yeah i just think i just think she's a great person yeah. and i i just wanted to give her a public shout out that i think she's awesome and uh and also it's just it's nice when you when you meet your heroes and they are great. You know, yes, yeah. I can name a few cartoonists that weren't, and Kathy is not one of them. <laughs> Kathy was great. Yeah, well, so, maybe maybe we'll save that for cocktails for... with Comic Lab, Dave. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And so on that note, I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, editor of WebComics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comiclab. So Dave, Dave, 
Let's talk about our special offer. That's right. From now until the 4th of July, a little date known as the 4th of July, which, by the way, someone in my house who's very young, someone in my house who's very young said, hey, when is the 4th of July happen? And I said, come on. You're not that come young. On. It's the 4th of July. It's in the date. And Try then he laughed, he laughed solidly for five minutes when I told him that. Um, anyway, if you join at the $5 level over at patreon.com slash comic lab by uh, July 4th, here is what you get. This is not a small list. So tuck in, get yeah. a cup of coffee, because I'm about to give you a big <laughs> list of all the awesome things you're going to get. You're going to get the ebook of how to make web comics. Or it's gone through four printings at Image yeah. Comics, and you are now going to get it as a free ebook. You're going to get the ebook of Web Comics Handbook from Brad Geiger, the amazing follow up to uh, How to Make Web Comics. Mm -hmm. You're going to get Drive Act One. That's my 250, 280 page uh, collection of the full Drive Act One. You're going to get Evil Inc. Under New Management, which is Brad's amazing collection, the most recent collection for Evil Inc. Yep. Uh, you're going to get an exclusive Cocktails with Comic Lab, which will be yeah. our Zoom session where Brad and I pour a tasty adult beverage and talk shop about comics and cartoonists. And it's going to be delightful. And you, as a Comic Lab listener, have an exclusive invite. You get to join us. So you're not only going to get the show later when we put it up, you're going to be participants of Cocktails with Comic Lab. That's right. And, and not only that, you're going to get all the things you normally get at the $5 level. Yeah. So you will get every show early, which yeah. is something that the, the patrons get. You're going to get uh, 50, maybe 60 hours, I think, of exclusive Patreon podcasts that we've done just for backers. Yeah. Pro tips, and I think it, Brad. I think it is sixty hours of, it's of getting podcast way now. up there now. So if you have churned through our entire run, and some of you have, mm -hmm. there's now sixty hours of podcasts waiting for you when you join, and you get to ask a question of the show at the five dollar level. Yes. So, Brad, in case you were wondering, that's four ebooks. That's comics, uh, cocktails with Comic Lab or drinks with Dinks, as Brad wanted to call it. <laughs> you get every show early. You get 50, 60 hours of pro tips, and you yeah. get to ask a question of the show all when you join at the five dollar level. On patreon.com slash comic lab by July 4th. Absolutely. And uh, and we're going to be looking forward to you joining our community, not only on Patreon, but you're going to also, with Dave, one more thing, and it's hard to list them all, the Discord server. You're going to be able to join our community on the Discord server, and I, I it delights me uh, every time we have a new person join us on Discord and they say, oh my gosh, this is such a great place. You can share thoughts, ideas. It's very friendly, very welcoming, very positive. Uh, it's a good place to get, if you're looking for criticism, to get some honest-to-goodness constructive criticism on what you're doing and just a great place to talk comics. And that's uh, all part of what you're in for when you join us on Patreon. And there's one other thing we didn't discuss it before, but I'm going to, I'm going to offer it up without even consulting Brad. How about Ooh. some delightful photos of Brad that we'll just forward along to you. Just yeah. tasteful, tasteful stuff tasteful. like Brad, Brad, well, maybe yeah. in a suit, like having a glass of wine. There's a photo for you. Yeah. That's one right there. Yeah. Uh, Brad uh, by the fire, stroking like a bloodhound. That's another photo you could have. <laughs> at the Played out level. on a bearskin rug, uh, Burt Reynolds style. Yeah, Burt Reynolds style with one leg kind of leaning forward just enough to <laughs> just, just, enough. Just, just enough to keep the dream alive. Uh, <laughs> 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 so all those photos can be yours. Uh, by the way, the big disclaimer there. Yeah, is, we gotta uh, we gotta put that at a higher level. That's <laughs> we, we don't we're not giving away the gold and goose over here. We're, we gotta put that higher. No one's gonna buy the cow if we give away that milk for free. <laughs> That's right. Well, Brad, before we get too far, uh, we already have our special guest. The red light is blinking, Ooh. so let me hit a hit a button, turn a knob here, and welcome our special guest onto the show. Well, Bradley J. Geiger, we have a special guest coming from... Well, actually, I didn't check with you, Carla, on where you are this moment. Are oh, you in New Mexico, or where uh, are you? I, I, I'm in Arizona Oh, in right Arizona. Now. That's yeah. right. I knew you were in the American Southwest, and I forgot to check with you before we <laughs> opened on the mics. But uh, Carla Pacheco is with us. And, uh, Carla, the author of Inspector Pancakes, the current uh, of Fantastic Run, Spider-Woman, the upcoming run in, as of July, right, for Betty yeah. Page. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And uh, possibly one of the funniest people alive in comics. Uh, Carla, thank you for coming on the podcast. Podcast Thank to us today. You. What an intro. Damn. <laughs> well, uh, uh, killed a bear with her bare hands. I know that. Like, I'm hey, trying to think what else hey, I could add on there. Hey, bear. Hey, hey, hey bear. bear. Hey, bear. <laughs> I like how you said it like a like a woman walking out of a shopping store with like a bunch of bags from Macy's. Like, hey, bear. Hey. 
Carla, you had to jump off of a houseboat uh, to to get here. Is that correct? Yes, uh, I, I quite literally jumped ship. Uh, yeah. I, usually, I live on a boat named the Slippery Pig up in Washington. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But when the pandemic started happening and everything was locking down, uh, like they actually were getting ready to close the marina. Oh. And uh, there's really no place worse possible to be sick or just quarantined than by yourself on a boat in Washington, uh, in a very, yeah. very small town in Washington. So I uh, I literally jumped ship and ran down to uh, be with my uh, partner, who is a stuntman uh, down in really? uh, Arizona. Yeah, he is a stuntman and software architect. He's cool. <laughs> wow, that's very cool. I don't know that I've ever asked you, how did your ship get the name? Oh, I don't know if ship is the right word. How did your boat get the name Slippery Pig? Uh, it's actually, that's how I knew it was my boat. I didn't name it that. Oh, it, was really? already, it was already named that. And it is this garish little sea wagon. It looks like a child's drawing of a tugboat. It's just like bright yellow and green, just this ridiculous uh, sea wagon. And uh, when I went to look at it, uh, I walked up and the, the person who was selling it was just like, oh, oh, I'll walk around first, take a look. And I walk up and I see just in gorgeous gilt letters, the slippery pig. <laughs> and I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, I turned to the guy and I said, the fuck this is named the slippery pig. Um, <laughs> and he goes, yep. I go, well, I guess it's my boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And is that like, is that a good spot? Is that a conducive spot for writing? Like sitting on the water? Oh, it's uh, the looking best. Out? Is it that... is, I, I sit out on the do- uh, deck of my boat. I have my laptop just set out and I'm just looking at seals. And even during the winter, I'll get bundled up and I'll still go out there because that's my yeah. favorite place to work. Uh, because there's all these different winter birds, like fancy ducks with crests. Um yeah who uh they winter on the inlet so you get all this amazing wildlife and yeah it's you know it's i'm on the water you know it's oh fresh ocean air uh shrieking seagulls uh (laughs) trying to eat starfish uh off my uh off my pier and i usually like so starfish on the pacific coast uh were almost completely wiped out Mm. A few years back, because oh, really? there was some sort of uh, like bacterial infection that they all got. Um, but they started returning. And so around my deck, I've got a lot of just gorgeous, like bright purple and orange starfish um, and sea anemones and all sorts of stuff. So uh, that's the reason why frequently anytime I see a seagull try to rip one off the pier and they're trying to swallow an entire starfish. Yeah. In their huge gaping maws, so I'll just start screaming like no, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, and, and then, so your slow transition towards crazy person on a boat is is, com- oh, is, is uh, becoming. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> slow. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> What's but Carla it, doing? She's yelling at birds. That's she, what no, Carla's no, doing. Well, no, not even that. I'm like booting it down the dock. Yeah. to like slap it out of their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just like, I saved you. <laughs> yeah. Go so back to your sea land. Yeah. Back to your water home, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So tell, tell us Carla, cause I, um, I, I think I know, but I don't know the whole story. How did, what was your journey to getting into comics? How I, did you grow up <laughs> loving comics? Was that a big, like, it wasn't huge. Like I, I really loved the, uh, like the X-Men, uh, TV show, the cartoon when I was a kid. Oh yeah, that eighties, nineties one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it and had then, the best theme song, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to yeah. beat the X Men theme song. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, so I remember, like, yeah, my brother and I would just always watch that after school. But um, other than you know the odd Archie comics and stuff, as a child and a teenager, I wasn't really into them. When I was in my when would it, like mid twenties or something, I had moved out to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have been, I think, like two thousand five or six. I had moved out to LA and didn't know anybody other than my boyfriend at the time. Right, and I didn't have a car. Oh no! Yeah, or, in a, LA. or, or a job. 
And also an oh no. <laughs> so I'm just sitting in, and we had a roommate. So I would just be sitting in this one little bedroom by myself all day while, yeah. uh, while Jay was at work. And so uh, I ended up reading the entire run of X-Men mm. from the very first Stanley in 63. Uh, it was Astonishing X-Men number one. All the way to the nineties. Wow! Uh, wow! Yeah, so that's what I did that summer. <laughs> you just mainlined the X Men. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of X Men. So was can I ask you? Because I I don't know that I've ever known anyone who's done this. Do you find? Because I bet this is the case. When you when you uh, power through it like that, do you find a thousand inconsistencies over the course of like thirty arc or thirty oh. s- stories where like? I don't, Four writers came in and left, and and then like like Jubilee was over here. Now she's over here. What's going on? Like it's actually uh, I'm I'm the weirdo uh, comics writer who I personally think uh, continuity kills. Like just write a good story. I don't care about I like I respect canon, and especially with Spider Woman, Mm -hmm. I I've been very very because it's one of my favorite characters. um, I've tried to be very respectful of the canon that has been built already and for me to use that and push that forward in the story Mm -hmm. is really important to me without just going like reboot um but at the same time i also feel like it's more important to make the story good than to lose your mind over every single detail i do try to be pretty precise but even like spider woman has had multiple origin stories you know a lot of her canon i remember uh editor jake thomas that i work with uh like early on when we were talking about what we where we wanted to take the story um he even flat out said he's like yeah a lot of her continuity never really stuck (laughs) (laughs) um uh it's a it's a 43 year old character um and it was 40 she's 43 years old now so this is cute dave uh the very, very first appearance of Spider-Woman was in, what was it, uh, Marvel Spotlight number 32, which came out February 10th, 1977, the exact day I was born. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And for those following along at home, we can now steal Carla's identity with just one more. <laughs> we j- in the course of this information, we just need to get one more bit of information out of her and then we can successfully steal her ID. This is going to be easy. So, Brad, at, t- at some point we have to work in uh, con- into conversation the social security system and that'll be our or, lead or in. Just, okay? oh, so, just, even if we go roundabout, just find out the name of her favorite pet or her favorite <laughs> name. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, favorite well, restaurant. Yeah. You know, so, so, so let's all go around and talk about our mother's maiden name. I'll begin. Oddly enough, my mother's maiden name was Smith. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hers was named Jones. Jones. Uh, Jones yeah. Carla. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so forty-three years old. So, uh, forty-three years of canon. Yeah. And yeah. So, and also, I, I think at least as far as I can remember two if not three different major origin stories yeah. right yeah. for it. and so how do you as as an author marvel comes to you and and by the way let's circle back around on that in a minute but marvel comes to you and says we'd like you to write spider woman yeah and then how do you decide okay i'm gonna go with option a or b or c or a melding of two of them or if, you know if they they very much uh gave me the option to choose uh they're like yeah you know you've got a couple of different things to pick from. It's like, yeah. Um, uh, I actually, I mostly am using Brian Michael Bendis's spider woman origins. Cause that was one of my first and favorite spider woman mm-hmm. runs. Yeah. Um, cause I really liked what he had done with her in, uh, Avengers. And I really liked origins. I thought it was, a, it was kind of like he used one of the previous origins, but kind of gave it a more modern boot. And so I, uh, I definitely, I, I used that one as a lot of my foundation pieces, right. Uh, while also going back through and finding kind of some deep cut characters that I've incorporated. So it's, it's, it's been pretty fun. It's been exciting. Speaking of an animated series, were you also a fan of the spider woman animated series? Because if you go back and look at that, 
That oh, it's bonkers. Kind of quirky <laughs> and, and wonderful in its own way, right? I like quirky. Quirky as a word is not the right word. It was it was cuckoo bananas that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was bonkers. <laughs> and it still is. And and it's now available. Here, here. Let mm. me do my let me do my company shill thing. Uh now, now where now, is it available, Carla? Now available on Disney Plus. That's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so take us back in time then. So, uh, how does, uh, how does that relationship come along where, uh, cause it, you, you were doing, uh, back, backup stories and, and one shots, right. Yeah. Yeah. For Marvel. Um, and then how does it come about where, uh, when they're going to relaunch a title or bring, you know, give it more, a new and, and, and big push, how do they come to you? What is that conversation? How did that work out for you? Uh, well, it's like, I, I've, I've told this story before, but I was literally camping. Uh, I was doing dispersed camping out in the Arizona desert by myself on a mountaintop. Okay. And I would get an occasional signal and they just emailed and asked if I'd be interested in pitching for the new spider woman series. And after I finished running around a campfire a little bit, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, that, sure. Of course. <laughs> why? Why? Certainly. I, I'd, I'd be I'd be pleased to send you my thoughts. <laughs> uh, so then I went down to an old abandoned mining town and stole Wi-Fi <laughs> so, I, so I could upload my pitch. What is this story that you're telling us? And then I met an old prospector named Big Jim and Big Jim had a Wi-Fi card. <laughs> I had a few choice thoughts on Spider-Woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's where you want to go right now, this Carla. This character is important to me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a in my mind, this is all perfectly normal, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I I came up with a couple different ideas, some directions that I thought would be cool to take it. But also, I I knew they were asking other people to pitch for the series, mm-hmm. and so it's just like. I've been stinking up on a mountain for a week, like just having bonfires and drinking fireballs. So I was like, eh, I'm, I'm not going to get it. I'm going to send it. And then they're like, no, we love it. We, and we refined the, the direction that we wanted to take it. And uh, it was basically, it's like, we want to do big, stupid action. As like, I am your gap. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you need big and stupid, you came to the right place, son. <laughs> and so, for writing for writing Spider Man, what's been the what's been the highlight for it? Like, did you have you arced it out, and then you're going issue by issue, or are you tackling it? No, with, it's a, a, with a vague awareness of the arc, but going oh no, no, we it. we had a very specific like the first. Uh, like first five issues, like this first arc was extremely planned out. What's cool is issue five of this arc will end the current storyline uh, and open up into a whole new one that we're working on now. Um, I'm working on six right now. And uh, and then that leads into a whole new cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, issue five will actually be legacy number 100. So oh. not only will we be finishing off this first arc, it'll also be the 100th issue of Spider-Woman. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. So we, we've got something a little special planned for it. Uh, number five will actually be a 30-page special, and there's a really cool uh, little tribute to everything we've loved about Spider-Woman over the years, as well as a lead-in to the next, uh, the next series. That's very that cool. Exciting. No, it's a, I, I'm really happy with it. Uh, I think the book has just turned out to be something so incredibly special. Like what Perry Perez is doing on the art there, it's just it's just been such a great way to work with him. Of mm-hmm. uh, like in some spots, basically doing Marvel style like writing, where I'll just be like, okay, so. Here I need just punching dinosaurs for two pages. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Pere is just on it. I'm on it. And do. And do. <laughs> um so Been no, doing that in my notebook since junior high. <laughs> I really deliver on this. <laughs> Perry's like, this is my time to shine. Yeah, uh yeah. so I I feel like it's it's just really turned out he, he turns out such dynamic great action and for this book um for this series we're just doing really over the top like like i try to make it 
funny and smart, but also it's just like, you know, it's just, it's big action movie stuff. And I don't think Jess has had that for a really long time. So, um, so yeah, I've been really excited about it. We're having a lot of fun with it. And then as the writer, did you get to consult at all on, on which look you could go with for her? Uh, they were already working on a new costume, but I got to figure out why she had the new costume and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is fun. Um, and so that's actually in issue one, we've got a, a second story in issue one that basically it's like new suit who dis. Um, uh, <laughs> and it just, it's a uh, Paulo Sierra on the art for that one, but it just, it explains how Jess got her new suit. And yeah. I think it's a, I think it really works for what we're the story that we're telling right now it's uh it's darker it's she's not being feeling in a good headspace mm-hmm. um everything has changed she's a loner uh going off doing stuff so i, I feel the new suit just works really perfectly for that and that's actually a, a nice moment for to talk about creativity because a lot of people ask all of us you know hey where do you get your ideas and stuff <laughs> and a lot of it is just if you if you present or take on a reality a like this new suit right mm-hmm. and then you just you have to say all right now i'm going to figure out what what the background is like it's yeah, not it's, like i mean for me that's always the my, my, the favorite part of writing comics for me is uh the problem solving yeah that's yeah. always my favorite part of writing comics even working on stuff that i'm creating completely wholesale like my own problems you know it's mm-hmm. like uh like I love figuring out how do I get from point A to point B plus possibly involving these other factors that either existed beforehand or that I wrote myself into a corner for. That's where you get the helicopter explosions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you're right. It's also it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, logistical thinking of like how do all these pieces fit together? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a pure writing process. It's it's almost like project planning or administrative planning or oh, you know, that kind of thing. I, uh, the first time I ever wrote like a comic script, uh, I described it as feeling like I was suddenly in the matrix. Um, it was so exciting to me and I really like I've only been writing comics for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. been fairly recent. I think like the first story I did for Marvel at all was like just like one of the backup stories, like maybe two years ago. Um uh-huh. and so this has actually happened fairly fast. And this is my full full series, but the first time I wrote a comic script, I remember just like I just felt like I was coming home. Like yeah. it just like I'll get emotional about it because I just love that feeling like you're in the matrix and you can see every little, like the secret I set up in this panel that won't show up for three more issues. Mm-hmm. Like someone's going to come back and read that one and Oh, it's going to blow the mind. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's where a lot of the joy is, is realizing <laughs> that people upon rereading this are going to catch all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, just yeah. layering, layering in things. I just find super, super exciting mm-hmm. and plotting the stuff out fairly far in advance. Like we've been doing, uh, I, I just think that's just so much fun. Like I love doing the one shots, like the annuals, like the Punisher annual or the Fantastic Four 2099 annual. Yeah, those man. are great because you've just got 30 pages to go nuts. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no consequences. Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. You, yeah. You just go with it. Oh, I, I mean, I killed the entire Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> sure, as you should. That's you know what that's. <laughs> um. You know, so it's like, you know, I sent Punisher and J. Jonah Jameson into space, uh, yeah. you know, uh, to fight the brood queen. Um, so doing those type of things are just so much fun. But I really love the possibilities with the series because, again, we have these arced out pretty tightly because um, the pandemic has kind of put a lot of publishing and uh, like distribution plans and mm-hmm. put put a bit of a kink into the hose. Right, uh, right. <laughs> um, so a, a few things that we had planned for later on, we're waiting to see if we're still doing that or if we're doing something that's also cool, but we're still going. Right. Um, right. Right. But it's, uh, you know, trying to figure out like exactly where you're putting everything for the future. 
it's that's just that's the best part of writing comics in my yeah, opinion yeah well i will say to you what i've said to ryan north and to chris hastings which is my my one request to you as a friend is if you can in some way work in Pace Pot Pete into your Marvel comic storytelling. <laughs> he is the dumbest character in all of Marvel. And I think so far, uh, Christopher Hastings got it into, I don't remember what he worked it into. And I think Ryan worked it into Squirrel Girl, Pace Pot Pete at some point. Uh, so do. Carla, I will say this to you. At some point in Spider-Woman in the background, you've got to have Pace Pot Pete. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest character in a, like he fights with paste. It's the like literally, it's not even glue. They call it paste. Yeah. Like, could you have a character that's more designed for a five year old than a guy named Paste Pot Pete? I mean, maybe maybe it's nutritional paste. Like, <laughs> like the weapon paste. Well, no, I just like you know you eat paste. It's still paste, but yeah. it's uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe he's just like. That's double, right. double, quite literally, double dipping of. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, let me ask you. So, since we're on the on the topic of uh, comics for kids, mm-hmm. let me ask you real quick about Inspector Pancakes because this is the perfect transition. <laughs> which, which, is, which, which is yeah. definitely yeah, like, Inspector. Yeah, like Inspector if you're Pan- if you're if you're a parent, you're really going to want to sit up and take notice for this next uh, segment <laughs> yeah. of the of the conversation. So, one of my favorite projects you have ever done uh, was probably how uh, three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, I, my, yeah. t- my timeline gets screwy, but about, yeah. about then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Inspector Pancakes is ostensibly a children's book with yeah. an adorable dog named Inspector Pancakes, right? Yes. Why do you Why do you take folks through it? Well, it's a so the full title of the book is, of course, Inspector Pancakes helps the president of France solve the white orchid murders <laughs> <laughs> and uh it looks like a little golden book quite literally mm-hmm, um yeah. until you look a little closer uh but all the art and there's a large print story that you can read aloud to little kids and surprisingly little kids love it because it's a cute story yeah, yeah it's it's a little dog and that actually is my dog edison he was the he was the model for Inspector Pancakes and also the inspiration. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, so in the fine print, uh, there's just a little, a little gem, which is it's the book is actually two stories in one, the large, <laughs> pri- large print children's story. And then in the fine print, an incredibly grisly and extremely graphic noir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically a series of of, of murders in fr- across Paris, right? Yeah, By a yeah. Seri- yeah, yeah. So it's really it's it's, quite, it's the but most it's, amazing contrast. But it's of also humor. but it's also but it's still Inspector Pancakes. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> but he's like but he's like grizzly and smoking a cigarette, isn't he? Like yeah. the dog is like yeah, yeah. So it's like this grizzly, hard bitten Inspector Pancakes, and then the ooh la la, President of France. I, I need I need to help you solve a very important crime. <laughs> in the in the main crime, someone has stolen a baguette or something. A what croissant. is it like in the kid for Somebody, oh, croissant? That's right. <laughs> somebody somebody stole the inspector uh, or the president of France's croissant, and yes. this is this is a terrible crime because croissants are very important to French people. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the noir version, it's a series of prostitute murders yeah. down below, uh, down uh-huh. below right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Extremely graphic. Graphic. <laughs> it is. Point. I have literally never seen a book. Has any, <laughs> has anyone ever come to you with a book that's similar? I've oh, never no. seen anything done like I this never. before. <laughs> so uh, the inspiration for it, like I mentioned, was my dog Edison. Um, so the original title was Eddie Spaghetti, but of course <laughs> that that's that's so obvious a name that of course it's been used for other things. Yeah. Um, so uh, I ended up changing it to Inspector Pancakes. But yeah, I mean. Do you guys have pets? You know how that all the pets have jobs that you sure. make up yeah. for them, oh, yeah. and yeah. Rich, rich backstories that you make oh, up yeah. for your for your pets. Yeah. Um. So Edison, anytime you'd walk into the room, like just randomly, it'd be like, Eddie Spaghetti, did you did you just get back from France? Were you helping the president solve crimes? <laughs> um. He was a high powered attorney who would fly every day to France to help the president solve crimes, and he had sure. a little. Little briefcase and a little bowler hat. <laughs> and out of that came a genius book. So if you if you have not come across it, I would highly recommend go checking out Inspector Pancakes. Uh where can people pick that up? Is that from your site? Or uh, you is it can available? still uh, I believe you can still get it at topotico.com. Oh um, great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, uh, and, so, and I would highly recommend it. It is a, deli- <laughs> a delightful read that I a thousand percent keep from my children uh. who can both read. So, <laughs> but it's it's great. Uh, and so, in general, though, Carla, I want to say thank you for coming on oh, and chatting so with much. us today. This thank has been delightful guys. to have you. And oh. if you are not familiar with Carla's work, this is your opportunity to go jump in. You can follow her on Twitter at thecarlapacheco.com and uh, Carla with a K and Pacheco P A C H E C O. Correct, mm-hmm. Carla? Do I yep. have that right? Yeah, yep. that's it. Because um, I'm. Spelling that off the cuff. I just want to make sure. Uh, so who was it, Brad, that I was spelling their name and I did it wrong? Yeah, uh, was it, oh, it was no, Carl no, no, Kershaw. No, no. It was Carl Kershaw. I spelled, <laughs> I spelled abominable wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I wanted to make sure I had that right. And then in general, uh, Spider Woman and coming up, uh, Betty Page in on July. Uh, Ju- yeah, July 15th, we've got both Spider Woman number two. We get to uh, like find out some more mysteries there from the cliffhanger that I left everyone for two months on with the pandemic. Uh, And then, uh, so July 15th, we get spider woman number two and Betty page number one from dynamite, which is, uh, basically I'm doing Betty page on this big lush Island knives out style murder mystery. That sounds so good. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome. well carla you are awesome for coming on oh, and thank so you much, look guys. well i'm happy to see your face and thank you for joining us so good to see you guys thanks for having me on bye carla hey if you're listening while you work take a minute and stand and stretch and while you're doing that brad and i are going to tell you why you should join us on patreon yeah because you know when you do you'll get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers and an exclusive patreon post that go even deeper on the comic lab topics and access to our exclusive discord server a thriving community of professional cartoonists so you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning and listen if you can't swing a pledge this month no worries you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and a few kind words. And that, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. And now, let's talk comics. So, Brad, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was actually you are intimately familiar with it because yeah. my train of thought springboarded off of your recent events. So you have completed a successfully completed a Kickstarter. Yeah. You've now transitioned it to Backer Kit. It's doing gangbusters on Backer Kit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are starting the process of sending out rewards and all that sort of stuff, right? Yep. But the thing I noticed, you had forwarded me a text or two or an email or two from people that were like at the 50 cent level <laughs> that are just like yes. Complaining out the yin yang, and the people that are at the five hundred level are like, "Yeah, that's fine. What? Take your time, Brad. I value your work. Yeah, and you you get me the rewards when you need it." Meanwhile, the people at at the fifty cent level are are threatening class action lawsuits. Oh they're you know, they're they're just champing at the bit to get whatever it is rewarded is at the fifty cent level. It's not. It's obviously not at the fifty cent level. Right. Just for the purposes of exaggeration. But I've noticed, Brad, and this is true with Kickstarter. It's true with Patreon. And it's true, frankly, with Twitter and, and Instagram, yeah. is that the, the people that pay less, that support the least, tend to complain the most. And it's I wanted those... to ask you about that, about how you handle that as a creator. It's so difficult because it's so easy to get petty. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it is always the people that are contributing the least that are complaining the most. And, and, and it's really frustrating uh, whether you're doing Kickstarter or Patreon. I, although I got to admit, I see it much more on, on Kickstarter than I do on Patreon. But yeah. uh, but but it's always the people that are at the very opening tiers. And, and, and there was one guy that was like, emailing me on, on, on a regular basis, the same question. And I was giving him the same answer. And the answer was, you're going to get it in midway, mid May. That's the schedule. That's, I had already posted an update about that. Uh, there was, there was all kinds of outgoing information and he, he basically just kept posting the same question on and on and on. And I kept giving him the same answer. Uh, there was one person that, uh, since uh, there was a stretch goal, you got one of the books for free. And it was also available for other people to uh, act, uh, access as an add-on. Because, right. like, for example, if you're at the digital level, you could still conceivably add on the print version of that stretch goal that you wouldn't have gotten regularly. Right. And he had basically uh, added on the stretch goal 
And he was very upset. And I literally had to send him a screenshot showing that it showed clearly on the on the screen that he was getting that stretch goal reward. And he added it himself. Uh, uh, and, and, and by the way, I had it super low priced for like $5. The <laughs> amount of anger towards him spending an extra $5, especially when it was something that at a click of a button, I'm like, number one, Here's what it said on your screen. Here's where it showed you what you were getting, and you still added that on. Number two, it's a click of a button, and I've refunded you. This is this is absolutely nothing to get upset about. It's some it's, it's so much would be so much easier if you just sent a polite little hey, little heads up. You know, I'm not sure where the breakdown happened, but I I put this money in and and I didn't need to. And then if I if I wrote back and said, ah, screw you, I got your five dollars, I'm going to the Bahamas, <laughs> then you can get upset. Right. But it, it, it's always the people at the low tiers that are the most uh, aggressive uh, with with what they're uh, <laughs> with any problems. And let's face it, uh, as much as 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 you've done this uh, repeatedly, I've done this repeatedly. And, and and I keep this uh, holds true. There's always something that you miss. There's always a little sure, this, a detail a little or yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that that uh, uh, that doesn't go quite according to plan. Backer Kit did something new that I really like, and it, it's called a smoke test. I, I have you heard about this yet? Uh, a smoke test? No. Yeah, it's brilliant. It worked pretty well. Uh, it didn't work 100%, but it worked pretty well. What they do is once you're ready to send out all your surveys to uh, through BackerKit, where people can uh, confirm what they want, confirm their address, and uh, decide if they want any add-ons, uh, they send it out to 5% of your backers before anybody else. Oh, and I then, see where you're going. Yeah, okay. If there, it's like a representative sample. And then if there's any mistakes, they say, well, usually we catch them then. And then poof. That's, uh, yeah, that's good. Now, why is it called a smoke test? I don't know why Do they call smoke it a smoke problems? test. I guess yeah, or like, like a smoke detector. Once you get a little whiff oh, of the smoke. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, so the it's, not a fire, it's not a fire alarm. It's yeah, a smoke yeah. alarm. Yeah, okay, yeah. But but so I, I want to circle back around on this because yeah. I I... I have noticed it as a very clear pattern in my Kickstarters, less so like you in my Patreons, but definitely in my in my Kickstarters. Yeah. And to some respects uh, in Twitter, the people that I know have never bought a book right. and have never supported either Patreon or Kickstarter are often the first to complain, right? Yeah. About whatever it is. And so I wanted to talk to you, A, about what is that personality, right? Let's try to let's try to identify what's happening in that in their sphere. Yeah. And then more importantly, let's identify what we as cartoonists should do or or attempt to do to react to people like that right. um, in the grand scheme of our career. Right. I think that's the best way to help be helpful to other cartoonists to talk about how we do it and how how we've succeeded and or failed in doing it in the past. Right. Yeah. So the first thing that I wanted to posit is that one of the reasons why we might see it more in Kickstarter than in Patreon, mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why it is the cheaper levels is that these are uh, Johnny come latelys to our comic. Right. Is is option one, right? Because if they were Patreon folks, if you're jumping in on Brad Geiger's Patreon, mm -hmm. right, even at the $1, $2, $3 level, you're probably been a fan of Brad, right? It's, right. You, it's not like you've been reading for a week. But I think Kickstarter has the propensity to bring people in that just discovered it on Kickstarter right. or just saw the link or something about it intrigued them and they jump in. Right. Mm -hmm. But because they're new, they don't want to jump in with both feet. So they dip a toe in for five dollars, ten dollars, whatever that level is, the digital offerings, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, two months later, when it's time to start fulfilling, they're the first ones to complain. Right. That's option one. Yeah. Another option is there's something about the personality of people that are cheap <laughs> that are also the people that complain, right? That's another possibility. Yeah. Uh, it, well, what are the other options? There's it's also a sense it, there's a there's an entitlement factor there as well. It, it's like it, 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 not only entitlement, but the internet, especially like the, with things like Amazon uh, Prime and so forth, 
we have really seen a move towards instant fulfillment oh, in, yes. online. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So even with Amazon, it's it, 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 through the pandemic when all of a sudden I ordered stuff and I wasn't getting it the next day or later that night. You know, living in Philadelphia, right. a lot of times I'd order something and get it later that night, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you'll get this next week, and I'm like. Are you kidding me? You're making me wait for the, you know, and it was always something. In don't you know I'm Brad Geiger? Yeah, I need my toenail you're... clippers tonight. Tonight, <laughs> These toenails aren't going to clip themselves. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and yeah, it's, it, but we've, we've really engendered a real uh, kind of instant gratification yeah, and yeah. highly entitled culture on the web. And uh, you can, you can look at that, look at that any number of different ways and say, well, it shouldn't be, or it should be, or it just is, but as a creator, what we need to do is, like you said, Dave, talk about how we can deal with that. And, and especially not only on Kickstarter, where, let's face it, if somebody's ponying up any amount of money, uh, your job as a creator is to uh, treat that person so well that the next time your Kickstarter comes around, they graduate to those larger tiers because you've built up a little bit of trust. Right, right. Part of that means uh, swallowing that instant anger that you're going to feel <laughs> at this person, uh, maybe behaving a little bit badly uh, uh, and 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 resist the urge to give them a good old fashioned piece of snark. Uh, when it comes to online and situations like this on on Kickstarter, uh, I revert to my Midwest, uh, to be honest with you, and I kill them with kindness. Yes. Yeah. 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 I absolutely just give them my most nicest language. I give them nothing but compliments. And, and then like the guy uh, that had put the ad on, even though it showed on the screen, I gave him a very polite little screenshot, right? A polite little arrow drawn right to where they already were indicating <laughs> that they were getting this thing. And I said, I can understand how you can miss it. You know what? I'm going to talk to Backer Kit because that text might be a little bit small to read. And I right. can see where you could have made a very understandable mistake and <laughs> kill him with kindness. Yeah. I just over, because at the end, when you do that, they, they're, they're wait. Listen, they're coming in loaded for bear. They're coming in ready for again, loaded for bear. <laughs> Guys, this bullshit phrase that Brad created last week it does not exist in English. He just used it again. Up. You wait until our our listeners hear this. Everybody knows loaded for bear. That is not a phrase. That <laughs> that's the hill I'm going to die on. You made up that phrase. All right. Anyway, so they come in loaded for bear. Fight. And when you kill them with Midwest yeah. kindness, yeah. they've got nowhere to go. And, yeah. and so many times, if you do it well, yep. you will get the nicest emails in return. <laughs> yeah. Because they realize that they were itching for a fight and you're not going to give it to them. Yeah. And so I, I've got two things I want to add to that. Yeah. Uh, number one is, uh, I think Brad and I are professional communicators, right? Yes. Among the many titles that we have as a cartoonist, we are professional communicators. Our mm -hmm. job is to communicate, right? And to adopt very specific tones. So we're very aware of the English that we are using, the diction that we are choosing, mm -hmm. the, the tone and the tonality of how we're expressing it, right? All of that is, is very much on our mind as we communicate in emails and tweets and in comics, right? That kind of yeah. thing. A lot of people, Brad, I will posit, a lot of people do not realize the tone that they put out when they write. Oh, I know. In spoken language, they could be like a mom at church. They're like, oh, it's just a great day here. And we're exactly. having, here's a donut and have a great day. And then you put them on email and like, they turn into Karen. And right. you're like, what's happening? And like, I I ordered this five weeks ago and you said it would be five weeks. And it's five weeks. It's like, yeah, it's coming. And then they, it arrives at their porch the next day. And like, all right, it arrived. I'm fine. You know, but, it's here now. Yeah. You can but, relax. Uh, so what Brad does in and what I do in yeah. adopting a tone of kindness is basically like we're choosing to ignore the fact that they have come at us guns blazing with right. their with their tone, because a lot of times I would posit they don't realize they're coming at us guns blazing with yeah. either the way they type or the, the, the word choice that they have. And so I just kind of look past that towards the bigger picture and respond with kindness. And then nine times out of 10, Brad, wouldn't you say like, it actually works out fine. Like yeah. they're like, oh, thanks so much. That's a lovely response. Yep. That seems like a reasonable reason why that happened. Yep. Okay. Bada bada bing, you know, and it's all solved. Right. Yep. 
And then the other, even even in the the tent situation where they still are coming at at us, loaded for bear in mm-hmm. ba- in Brad's made up phrase. Um, <laughs> Even when they're still coming at us, having responded with kindness gets me to my second point, which is that classic business truism that it's cheaper to retain a customer than it is to go out and find and and basically buy a new customer, right? Right. So if Brad, for example, had said to that person, you know what? I know I had charged you $5 for that, but have it free. And here's the $5 refund for the digital item, right? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want to advocate for that, but let's just say Brad that had done that. Mm-hmm. He in all likelihood had kept a, a customer that would have cost him many dollars right. to buy a new one to replace that customer, you know? Yes. And by many dollars, I mean, Brad's literal investment of time, money, energy in EvilLink going forward years mm-hmm. to capture somebody new, right? In the months and years ahead. Um, and so in some respects, you could see that in a Harvard Business School kind of way as like a wise investment on Brad's part right. to to uh, to as a palliative right now to keep them on as a reader or as a as a customer uh, so that you don't have to find a replacement rate for a new customer. Um, so I think in both cases, kindness still works. Right. Brad? Right. Well, it, it, and that's just the irony. It's not it, it, I mean, I'm giving them kindness, but it's coming from a place of spite. And I'll tell you why. When somebody comes to me looking for a fight, uh, I immediately have the uh, contrarian uh, opinion on this, where I say, you're looking for a fight, I automatically uh, have a negative attitude towards you, and I'm not going to give you anything that you want. Yes, and if yes, part of that yes. is a fight, and I will win with my smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're never going to get it from me. I'm going to give you just the opposite because if you're looking at anything that you want, I'm not going to get other yes. uh, other than uh, you know you want your, your the stuff that you paid for. Of course, you're going to get that. That was always a given. But you're looking for a fight, never going to happen. Not going to get it from Brad Geiger. Yep, yeah. exactly. No. That's a great that's a great way to look at it. I will add this too, and this is something you and I have talked about before, Brad. Yeah. When someone comes at us, guns blazing, right? Two guys who are cartoonists, whose job <laughs> ostensibly is to bring joy and laughter and entertainment into the world. Yeah. And who, for 99.999% of our communications to the world, are putting out positive messages, right? And the other 0.001% is about how the, your sandwich wasn't good that day, right? Right, right. So we're putting out positivity in both our work and in our, in our personal communications. When someone is coming at us, guns blazing like that, my immediate thought is like, good God, imagine the person who has genuinely wronged them. And also, what is wrong in your life that you're coming at a cartoonist at full speed like this? Where, like, listen, I I don't know what Arthur said in some comic five years ago that made you this angry, but that (laughs) talking duck does not deserve this. Like, it's Yeah, well, not only that, how many times have you seen that play out in your own life where somebody uh, comes at you really, really in a nasty way and you find out a month later or a year later, uh, you know, they they get back in touch and say, "Uh, you know what, I was kind of an asshole to you a little while back and... Yeah, I was going through a divorce (laughs) or I just lost my job or whatever. You always find out that uh, so much of what we read as belligerence is really this person really dealing with some horrible stuff in their own lives and just doesn't have it in them to be polite with you right now because there's so much sadness or, or anger that's piling up in their own lives. I don't know if this is a phrase because I don't know anything about psychology, Brad, but you know, the phrase cognitive load, like when you yeah. have too much stuff going on in your brain and you're not able yeah. to process things. Yeah. Is there an emotional equivalent in psychology to cognitive load? Like when there's too many things going on emotionally and, yeah. and therefore the people around you that like, sir, can I get you fries with that? You can go right to hell, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> is, there must be an emotional qu- equivalent to cognitive load. Yeah, where, like uh, an emotional overload type yeah, of thing. Like yeah, like basically, they and they also, their their settings are set so high right now yeah. that minor variations or fluxes aren't registering. So they're yeah. not registering that Brad is speaking calmly and yeah, we can right. fix that for you. And of course, that's no problem with your Kickstarter order. And so they're still coming at Brad, you know, blaring because yeah. they've been dealing with divorce lawyers all week 
week or a contractor yeah. that screwed them out of $40,000 or they got laid off from their job or whatever it is in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Brad's minor infraction of a $5 thing that is totally easily fixable yeah. still gets the full guns blazing. Um, yeah, because at that point, everybody's out to get them. And now yes. this cartoonist is out to get me. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the other reason you want to kill them with kindness is because nine chances out of 10, that person is dealing with stuff that you don't even know about. And you'd probably be on their side if you found out about it. Yeah, it's true. It's a version of like, if you walked a mile in their shoes, you'd be like, oh God, I see what's it's going like, yeah, on I here. get yeah. it. I think I was an asshole too. <laughs> and you know what? I will put one, one other little capstone on this. And this yeah. is also Machiavellian to Brad's earlier point is one of the reasons why I killed them with kindness is it gets them out of my life. Right. right? So not only did they not win by, by triggering me into an argument or, or antagonism, uh, it, I win because they're gone. Poof. Like I've solved the problem with kindness, you know, Bye. now I'm back to my positivity. I don't have to cycle about this person who's yelling at me because it does. It takes up cycles of your brain to, to, to go through this fight that's happening with this, whoever this reader is on online. Right. Yeah. And, and so by quickly dispatching them with kindness, I, I don't know how to say this other than to say I have removed the 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 you know like it's like popping of a, a boil or whatever that old phrase is from Victorian yeah. phrase uh uh and and so it's gone and yeah. so uh, I find I find real value in in like it's kindness and then you move on and, yeah. and 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 to Brad's point nine times out of ten you'll find out a year later they'll be like hey I'm really sorry that I yeah. you might not even remember this and you don't no. uh, but I came at you uh you know loaded for bear and I. <laughs> I know that that's a phrase that I just made up the other day, but I I want to say apologize to you. Now, one thing to, to, that we do need to put in here as a button as we wrap this topic up is lots of what we just said, specifically, in my opinion, Dave, it goes towards moneyed relationships. Yes. Patreon yes. and Kickstarter. Yeah. If somebody comes after you on social media and they're, and they're not, you know, a Patreon backer or a Kickstarter uh, pledger, uh, go back to that advice that we've given you uh, earlier in, in several episodes. Uh, still, if you choose to address that, do it with kindness. But on social media, it, especially, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, and, and, I, and this is going to make me sound like a jerk, and maybe it is. First thing you do when you get a nasty message from somebody on social media is you check the number of followers. And if you've got more followers than they do, your decision is made already. You do not engage. And why is all, that, Brad? All you can do is amplify. Yep. Because all so, you're doing is you're bringing your readers to them. Right. And why would you amplify that? So right. you first thing you do is you check their followers. If they don't have enough followers, instantly, that it, it, it your decision is made for you. Now, if now got, keep in mind, that's not Brad judging someone based no. on their follower count. That's not him saying this is a worthy person, this is not a worthy person. What right. Brad is saying is, is that you are actually drawing a crowd. This is yes. a different way of, of looking at it. You are drawing a crowd to A, a fight that didn't need to happen in the beginning. But by responding, yeah. you're now bringing your thousands or tens of thousands or whatever it is readers to this fight saying, right. hey, everybody, look at this. Look at this person who's being antagonistic, right? right. So that's different than saying this person has value or doesn't have value. That's not right. what Brad's saying. Brad is saying you are drawing a crowd. And that's a that's a, a, a way that's of a saying- mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also making all those people unhappy for seeing, uh, you know, an unhappy person yell at you. Right. 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 It, 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 there's nothing good that can come of it. Yeah. There's nothing good that can come of it. Yeah. And and then if they do have more followers, then you've got to make a decision whether you're going to uh, address that or not. But remember, social media is incredibly fast, very, very fast. And uh, nine chances out of 10, something like that, that's a, that's a belligerent or a negative or a nasty statement, uh, you just let that go and it'll filter to the bottom of the goldfish tank where it belongs and you move on with your life. Uh, yep. there, it, there's so much on social media that can be solved with denying a fire oxygen, yep. right? Yep. yep. Uh, and letting that just die out, let it starve out. Uh, I, I really do strongly recommend that. And and by the way, uh, you if, if people who are uh, I, I think people who talk to people like us, like that, who are cartoonists, I think they, they we there's a real good way of knowing. Like, have I stepped over the line? Have I not? Because like Dave, I'm sure you're like me, and you're, you're trying to encourage engagement. 
So if somebody says something to you on Twitter it, it, that's neutral or positive, you're hitting the like button on that. You're giving them the little heart, right? Also to show that you acknowledge it, you've seen it, and stuff like that. If you've said somebody that said they like Dave or I on social media and they've given you zero engagement whatsoever, yeah, guess chances what? are you were being a schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> how many times, I, do you, I, I'm telling on myself, Dave, and maybe I shouldn't, but how many times do you go, like, like there's a whole row of responses and you go, like, 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 like oh, what an asshole. Like, 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 and you've got, you've got a whole string of likes, except yes. that one guy. And it's like you, I really, I really hope you look at this someday because I liked everybody, but you, and I'll never tell you, but you ought to know it. Here's, here's how the, de the delightful pettiness in terms of killing people with kindness. Yes. Uh, here's how I like to do that, Brad. Uh, sometimes just out of delightful spite, I will yeah. go. I will go response, 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 response. Yes. Not even like. I'll be like type, 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 type. Skip. Like everybody gets a response except yep. for Jimmy because Jimmy I'm, was being a jackass. I'm such a petty person. I I've I've gone into threads where I had no intention of talking to anybody. Right. Uh, exactly. That's what I'm like, getting at. I wasn't going right, to do response. You get a comment. Way. You get a comment. You get a comment. You go to hell. You get a comment. You get. A <laughs> Yeah, it's like suddenly we shouldn't you become be admitting any of this stuff, Dave. We gotta, become... we gotta shut this whole show down. We should <laughs> yeah. admit it. But it's the truth. I, I totally, that's exactly because how you know I handle why, it. know Brad? It's again, we're going back to the, you're trying to teach your readers that what yes. you respond to is kindness. And yes. so, yes, we are being petty, but we're being petty in a positive way. Like, right. All those other 20 people got nice, funny, calm, lovely responses. And the yeah. one guy who was an asshole didn't get a response. So, again, you're training people that what gets a rise out of Brad Geiger or Dave Kellett or you yeah. is kindness and kindness yes. and humor. And it, by God, if they're going to be if they're going to be mean or snarky to me, if they are successfully funny, I will respond to that. You know, right. I do reward humor. Uh uh, as long as it's well constructed, uh, like if it's a if it's a well turned phrase, I'll be like, you got me. You yeah, know what? I, game enough. recognizes game. I get yeah. that. That was good. <laughs> but honestly, how often does that happen? How, I, let, let, let's put that in. Let's put that in one pair, one pile, and let's put this in the other pile. A bunch of people that thought they were funny yes, and yes, failed miserably and ended up saying something jerky as a result. The ratio is many hundreds to one, and and that's I'm <laughs> not I'm not right. being I'm not being snarky. The, no. A lot of people think they're funny and they're, yeah. and they are not, you know, so. And it, it comes back to uh, being able to uh, understand how communication works too. And it, it, and listen, if, uh, text communications are tricky. You've got to, anytime I write something that I think might be funny, I rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. Even for like a little social media post, uh, not only to, to make sure that I'm communicating, but to make sure that I'm not miscommunicating and saying something nasty when I was just trying to say something nice because right. there's no worse feeling and we've right. all been there right uh, but it's like oh geez I meant that as a joke and 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 then if you go back to it like months later and come at it completely fresh you'll see where your tone was wrong yeah know? yeah exactly so it's really tough to, exactly. to do that kind of thing right well and and so speaking of having the right tone I just want to yeah. say uh, a huge shout out and thank you to our sponsors Wacom for this week Yo. over at wacom.com and the new makers of the Wacom one which uh, uh, I gotta tell you has been delightful to see I think we now have a half dozen listeners maybe more. Yeah. who have gone out and and jumped in on the Wacom one and uh we'll go at Brad, Brad and has an interjectory somebody that I used to go to high school with uh got in touch with with me through Facebook got a daughter that's really into manga and has some uh some very uh, uh developing art uh skills and he said well I, I want to get this kid you know a digital tablet can you give me some advice I just want entry level he said I just want something you know, because, you know, I, I, especially, you know, everybody's on lockdown. You, you're, everybody's kind of watching their money a little bit. And I go, oh, my friend, <laughs> have I got something for you? I said, if you're wanting something that's entry level, that still delivers pro level results. I said, get the Wacom one. Uh, it, it, it's got a perfect price point. It's got great results. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to break the bank. And uh, he ended up getting it and wrote back. 
thrilled with it. He says, I can't thank you enough. He says, I was looking at this other one and I'm so glad I wrote to you first because I got the Wacom one and that this kid, I can't wait. I told him you got to, you got to have the the kid through you, not directly, but through you send me some, uh, some illustrations because I cannot wait to see the work that this kid uh, does with her new Wacom one. That's right. And so once again, we give a huge shout out to Wacom at WACOM.com at the makers of the new Wacom One and the sponsors of this week's Comic Lab. And that just leaves us to say this. You've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my friend Brad Geiger, the editor of WebComics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at Evil-Comic.com. And my friend Dave Kellett, co-director of Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com. And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from the very talented Andy Creighton at TheWorldRecord.net. And this episode and all episodes was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And the Comic Lab theme, Comic Lab theme song, and the Comic Lab is made possible by your support on patreon.com slash comic lab. So we'll go ahead and say that like Werner Herzog, life is a grand misery from which we only rarely awake. And in those moments, it is a hellscape of vulture bird song and screaming violins and the excruciatingly slow murder of our soul. And in those moments, creativity is our desperate fight against those forces. And so I say to you now, patreon.com slash comic lab. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you have that prepared? No. Or did you do that off the top of your head? It's so easy to do Werner Herzog, oh Brad. Just, God, think, that was just think nihilism and like desperation <laughs> and the gnashing of teeth and the wailing of tears. That, that's all you need for Werner Herzog. Like, no. I, did you ever see the documentary where Werner Herzog, he's talking about that cave in France. I think it's in France that no human has entered in 10,000 years. And so he's like, these footsteps were last made by a human 10,000 years ago. Imagine the pain of their daily existence and their existential fear as tigers, wolves, and bears awaited them outside the cave. Like everything with Werner Herzog is just about like, oh God, oh God, Werner, stop talking. (laughs) Bounty hunting is a difficult profession anyway. (laughs) God, that was too good. Uh, anyway, we'll see everybody next week. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. Note. 